On today's Triangle Sports Take, me and Mitchell are here to recap the Carolina Duke game that took place on Saturday. Coach K's final trip to Chapel Hill. I was in the building for it. Uh, needless to say, I think Mitchell's going to enjoy this episode a lot more than I am, considering how that game went. Uh, but we decided to hop on here, just kind of give some thoughts on it, give a little bit of a recap, uh, just kind of go over some things. Uh, so I'll I'll go ahead and get it started off. Um, so yeah, not a lot of positive things, really no positive things I can say from this one. Um, uh, you know, I do first want to start off before I kind of go off on Carolina a little bit. I do want to start off saying, you know, Duke was the better team. They obviously deserved to win this game. They were more talented, all that kind of all that kind of stuff. Uh, they definitely deserved this win. Played a lot better than uh, the Tar Heels did. Um, but this game really was a complete 180 from last year when these two teams played in Chapel Hill. Last year in what was actually Roy Williams' last game in the Smith Center, Carolina beat Duke by 20. This year in Coach K's last game in the Smith Center, Duke reversed it and they beat Carolina by 20. Uh, so pretty rare for this rivalry to have you know two games like that happening back-to-back years. But you know, for, right from the start, Duke just dominated Saturday night. And, and I do want to say that I think things got off to a bad start right away by Hubert Davis actually putting Baycott on Banchero defensively. Uh, not a great coaching decision. Honestly, in my opinion, a really, really bad coaching decision by Davis to do that. Uh, before the game started, I I told my dad, I was like, if Baycott gets in foul trouble, like we're screwed. There's no way we're going to win this game. And Sure enough, Baycott was having to keep up with Banchero and pick up two quick fouls early going, so then he had to sit for a little while. That's when Duke kind of built that first initial lead. Overall, the team played terrible. Even if Baycott didn't get in foul trouble, we were still going to lose that game. I think it would have just made it a little more competitive if he could have stayed out of foul trouble. Uh, Brady Manick was really the only one that was doing any kind of scoring all night long. Leaky Black was the only one playing good defense. I actually think Leaky played pretty good defense against uh, against Banchero for for the most part. He kind of slowed him down there for a little bit, but when he did that, you know, AJ Griffin for Duke went off. Uh, and really, Leaky felt like he was the only one playing defense. Uh, Caleb Love and RJ Davis both. I mean, it seemed like neither of them did anything positive other than turn the ball over and take a bunch of dumb shots. Uh, Caleb Love had zero points at halftime, and I mean, when you're the starting point guard or shooting guard at Carolina playing in the Duke game, you can't have zero points at halftime. You know, you're you're not going to win that way, especially when we were already kind of the lesser talented team coming into this game. Uh, but as as bad as the Heels played in the first half, they actually made a little bit of run at the end of the first half, and going into halftime, they're only down 11. So I remember sitting there thinking, like, okay, we played awful, but we're only down 11. That's not impossible to come back from. You know, maybe they can come out swinging in the second half and you know make this a close game. But uh, unfortunately, that's not what happened. Duke came out. You know, once again punched them right in the mouth, and all of a sudden the lead was back up to 20. And really, it never got close again after that. Uh, just all around embarrassing performance. Um, that that's really all I have as far as a recap, I'll, I'll kind of talk about being at the game too, just because, you know, that was, uh, that was quite the atmosphere. Um, and, and it's one thing I was thinking, you know, you can't really explain the atmosphere of a UNC Duke game unless you've actually been to one, you know, I can use all sorts of words to try and describe it and explain it and everything. Uh, but you know, really, I, I don't know how to, uh, other than the fact of saying that, 
you know, Saturday night, there was a few times that crowd was so loud and energetic that you literally couldn't hear the refs blow the whistle. Like, that's how loud it got. There was a few times where, you know, play would, like, randomly stop, and I was like, what the heck, why are they stopping? And then I realized, oh, wait, the refs just called a foul, but we literally can't hear the whistle. Like, that's how loud it gets in there. And um, honestly, obviously it would have been a whole lot louder if Carolina had given the home team a little bit more to cheer about, too. Uh, you know, the uh, the other two UNC Duke games I went to, uh, for me personally, were a lot more fun. I uh, went to one in 2014 and 2019 where Carolina won both of those. So obviously when they get blown out by 20, it's not quite as much fun. But um, still pretty cool getting to go to it. You know, obviously I don't like Duke. I don't like Coach K. But it was kind of cool, you know, being in the building last time he's going or last time he was going to be in Chapel Hill, being in the building for that. Even though things didn't go the way I wanted them to. Uh, and then I do just have three final points, and then I'll you know let you say what you want to say, Mitchell. What one I want to say is uh, is Leaky Black is actually you know I feel like I've been really negative on him throughout his career at Carolina, but really these last couple weeks, um, he he's been playing a lot better, been showing a lot of uh, senior leadership, and really he's become a really really good defensive player. He doesn't score a whole lot, but I think he's kind of realized his role is to guard the other team's best player. So just want to give Leakey a shout out. You know, I think most Carolina fans have been kind of hard on him, but I think we're starting to realize that he uh, he actually can be a pretty valuable player. Uh, second point I wanted to make, and this is me kind of grasping at straws, just trying to find something positive to say after uh, that debacle on Saturday night. But I was just going to say at least Coach Case will still end his career with a losing record in Chapel Hill. Again, that's just me trying to find something positive after uh, such a terrible game. Uh, and then the final point I wanted to say was, you know, we, even though we didn't know it was Roy's final year last year, he did sweep Duke last year in his final year, and I'm pretty much 100% positive at this point Coach K is going to do the same in his final year by sweeping Carolina. Uh, I know these two play again a second time, but I pretty much have zero confidence we're going to win that game. And, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got. So, Mitchell, if you've got some stuff you want to say, go right ahead. Yeah, well, brought up a good point at the beginning of it because I honestly forgot. I tried to forget about last uh, last basketball season because it wasn't wasn't the best one of the probably the worst in recent memory and I honestly forgot about the, the point point loss in the Smith Center but um, definitely good to come back and um, make up for it make up for it uh, this weekend with a win at the Smith Center uh, in Coach K's final game. Um, I guess a couple things that I kind of took away from the game were I kind of I think the final score kind of showed the how good AJ Griffin has made Duke this year. Um, I, I do think that he's probably the, the second best player on the team um, um, next to Paolo, at least offensively. I mean, Griffin on defense probably better than Paolo. Um, but it's kind of crazy to think about how Duke beat uh, Gonzaga in Kentucky with pretty much no contribution from AJ Griffin, and now he's you know he's dropping. 15, 20, 25 a game on these past like three or four games. So definitely crazy how to see his progression throughout the year and how how much better he is. Um, how much better he's made the team. Uh, but as far as like the actual stats on the game, I was kind of looking back at the stats, trying to you know dissect like what made the outcome of the game, the outcome of the game. And it's actually really interesting because it it appears that the rebounds kind of tell the story of the game. Duke had about double the amount of rebounds as UNC, and I know that UNC, this UNC team isn't typically a, a team that's going to dominate the boards, um, but I think the, a combination of the rebounds and um, Duke just executing offensively, whether that might have been 
a little bit of UNC trying to catch a breather on defense and not tightening up. Um, or it was just new kit and everything, maybe a little of both. Uh, but I think that kind of told the story of the game because if you look at the shooting percentages, I mean, I mean, even UNC shooting percentage is above 40%, which, I mean, it's not terrible. I mean, you obviously hope to see a little higher than that in win games. But um, I think that after the past two games, I think it's uh, safe to say that Duke's finally over that COVID hump that they had at the beginning of the season or middle of the season, so to speak. Um, but I think another thing that I've kind of taken away from the past few games, not necessarily just this game, but I think that, that Duke's starting fives um, is probably – the best starting five in college basketball with A.J. Griffin. Now that he's um, he's kind of gotten to this point where he's at now, um, you you can score from every single pos- every single position on the floor can drop 20 points in a given game. Um, but I, I think where the issue lies is getting the team to play together every single game. And obviously Duke's depth this year is kind of a kind of a weak point, so I can see them losing games where um, where you know teams got. Eight, nine, ten deep, and they're kind of bullying them down low and getting foul trouble. I can see where they're going to lose games from that still. Um, but uh, yeah, I, mean, I think I think games when that does happen, Duke's going to um, have to rely on their their defense and their rebounding um, to win games, which seem to show up in, in this uh, in the UNC game. Um, but as far as as far as Duke goes, that's, that's about all I've got. I mean, definitely nice to get a win. Nice to uh, kind of. Uh, a more relaxing game as Duke fan. Don't have to stress too much other than the second half, as Carson mentioned. You see, did kind of make a run, got kind of come back um, before the end of the half. Uh, but I think I think it's kind of it's important to, you know, with it being Coach K's last year and it being um, Roy's last year, uh, last year, to kind of respect what the, what those two coaches, as well as Dean Smith, have done for the rivalry itself. Um, I think that, you know, without – all three of those coaches, you don't have the, the greatest rivalry in college basketball. Um, so it's important to have a mutual respect from both sides, as well as, um, you know, obviously a rivalry and one to win the game. Um, but I think that was an important takeaway. Um, we'll see what happens in the last game of the season. Would be nice to in Coach K's last season, Cameron the dub. But um, a lot of a lot of games to go between now and then. I did kind of want to ask Carson one thing as um, – I guess we've got, we're now about down to a month before the end of the season. Um, Carson, do you, what do you think UNC's chances are to make the tournament, or what do you think that they need to do to make sure that they can get into the tournament? Uh, well, it depends on what UNC shows up because they've been so hot and cold this year that you know I'm not really gonna, I'm not going to make a prediction on if they'll make it or not because I have no clue. But I think just as long as they they, they can't really screw up and have a bad loss or two. Maybe they can afford like one, but this is like the worst I've ever seen the ACC from top to bottom. You know, Duke's having a pretty good year and Miami was, but they've kind of fallen off a little bit, but like there's, there's not really a ton of good teams in the ACC. There's actually several like really bad teams. So uh, I think that they just, they have to make sure they don't lose to bad teams. Like they're about to play Clemson. That'll be a bad loss. You know, they, they beat NC state, about a little over a week ago, they play them again. If they lose to them, like that would be a bad loss. So I think if they can just avoid bad losses, the teams at the bottom of the ACC, they should get in. Um, but again, that's no guarantee. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's a pretty good, um, pretty good call. And obviously, I mean, they they need to get a couple signature wins. I mean, yeah, 
So I'm sure, I don't know what their schedule the rest of the year is like, but obviously they've got Duke again, so if they're able to pull that one off, that would be a significant win. But um, I'm assuming that they've probably got a couple other big games on their schedule. If they can win a few of those and um, avoid bad losses, like that, I can probably see them getting in. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, usually you think, get a few ACC wins and you'll have some good, like, quad one wins, but I don't really think they have, like, a ton of options. Like, obviously, at Duke, that's a, that's an option, but I don't really see us winning that game after this past one, and, you know, maybe if they can get a couple good wins in the ACC tournament, that'll help, too, but, yeah, they, they really don't have a ton of opportunities for good wins. That's why I was saying they need to win the games that they should win so they can avoid the bad losses, at least. Yeah, I mean... I guess you got like you got Notre Dame and Wake Forest, um, Miami, all three decent teams in the ACC. But I wouldn't say any of those teams are locks for the tournament, which is definitely out of the ordinary. Because usually at this point in the season, you've got like two or three, eight and four ACC teams that are pretty much guaranteed to get it. Yeah, I mean the ACC. It seems like every year there's like eight or nine ACC teams to get in. There's at least like a couple that like have a chance at a number one seed. Uh, you know, one, one year I always point to is just not long ago at all, 2019, just three years ago. You know, we had um, we had three number one seeds out of the ACC: Carolina, Duke, and Virginia. And Virginia ended up winning it all. Like that might have been the strongest year the conference has ever had. And now, just three years later, this is you know maybe the weakest year the conference has ever had. So that's that's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah, definitely the weakest uh, weakest conference I can remember in a while. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and just a, a couple things I wanted to kind of draw back to that you mentioned. Um, I, I know you mentioned you you said you tried to forget that game last year in Chapel Hill and Carolina kind of crushed Duke. I'm sure for me, I'm going to be trying to forget this one where Duke crushed Carolina. Uh, and then, you know, I also do want to mention how you brought up, you know, uh, Dean Smith, Roy Williams, Coach K, how they kind of made the rivalry what it is and everything. Um, and I, I do think that's a, a good point to bring up. Uh, but believe it or not, we're actually recording this. Uh, I saw on Twitter earlier today, it was uh, seven years ago. It was in 2015 when Dean Smith passed. So it's uh, seven years since he passed away. And then um, I also like how you brought it up because I'm, I'm assuming you probably saw the picture they put up before the game of, I think it was Roy, Hubert, John Shire, and Coach K kind of, you know, saying they're, saying they're bridging the gap or whatever. And that was, uh, that, that kind of made me want to throw up and also thought it was really cool all at the same time, you know, but uh that was that, that was a cool picture. I thought they did that too. Yeah. Well, um, I think I think all I've got. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season, seeing what happens. Yeah, yeah. That's all I got too. Uh, I think we got like another month in the regular season, and the ACC tournament will start. You know, the uh, NCAA tournament not long after that. So we will uh, we'll have to see how things play out. Um, should be an interesting last few weeks of the season, and should be interesting to see. You know, if Duke can keep this hot streak and, you know, see where Carolina, see if they can respond. And, you know, we, uh, I was talking to Cody off air. He was talking about how he thinks this is it for Kevin Keats since he stays really struggling. This might be their, uh, find me Keats' last chance these last few weeks to save his job or else he might have to, uh, update his job resume a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it might be time for them to part ways. Um, I remember when he first kind of took over the reins of state, he was at least a, you know, contender for getting to the tournament, but now they're they're pretty much locked not to make it. So I, I agree that it might be time to, to move on from him, but we'll see. Yeah, I think I think they might be at the bottom of the ACC standings right now. But um, yeah, uh, important last few weeks of the season. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Hope everyone has a great week.